This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We talked last week about called getting it right. I asked the question, how do we get right with God? I'm going to recap just real quickly. We determined it wasn't background, wasn't church attendance, wasn't simply doing good. And we said the key word here is righteousness. The righteousness is a state of being made right with God, right in his sight. And only through faith in what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection are we made righteous. This is not in your notes, but if you, if you take notes and want to write this down, a great verse on this is in Romans 3, 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and own all who believe, for there's no difference. So that righteousness is God's very own righteousness that he gives us through faith in Jesus. Now, as I was looking at this today, I wanted to ask the question, why even study this? And I realize sometimes people come in and it's like, you know, Alan, I, I got things going on in my life. And when I come to church, I, I really need help. And I understand that. And that makes perfect sense. But there's, there's a lot of times you're, you're adding, we add little by little. And what we learn is over, over the process of time, you learn not just how to fix immediate problems but you learn how to stay out of them. And so it's, it's, it is a process. This righteousness is real key. Now let me just give you some, some reasons why and we'll, we'll jump into a little bit more. Uh, to one, it, it better establishes us with a, a faith-based Christianity basing actions on God's truth, spiritual truth. This is, this is real important for us as, as believers that, that that our relationship with God is not simply based on our feelings because our feelings can, can fluctuate. Many of you understand that, you know, sometimes you come into church and you just feel like, ah, this is great. And I am so glad to be here. Praise God. It's good. Worship's good. Everything's good. Then sometimes, you know, you can drag into church feeling like, dear God, would somebody pray for me? Because I just feel like I'm, I'm I just feel... I feel horrible or I feel lost. Anybody ever had that happen? If it's tonight, just, we're not, this is not testimony time. But, it, it's, but the idea is this, is that we have to learn to be able to live above our feelings. And that in, in the scriptures, the Bible talks about that we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight or, or not by our feelings. And so... That's very important, and righteousness is really important in that because by faith we have to accept what God's Word says about who we are. And so if you go by feelings, sometimes you feel like, I'm just, I'm a horrible Christian, or I'm a moderate Christian, or I'm not just not that good as a Christian. And, and at some point in time, we have to begin to say, you know what, what I feel really doesn't matter. What does God's Word say? And what his word says I am, that's who I am, regardless of how I feel. Because if you're not careful, you'll get into comparisons. Well, I'm not as good as Christian as so-and-so. And I'm just not, you know, they seem like they're excited about God all the time. And I'm, I'm just not, I'm just a lousy Christian. And at, at some point in time, you're going to have to begin to say, you know what? 
I'm going to accept what God's word says about who I am. Who I am to God. And regardless of how I feel about it, I'm going to, to accept this. And what that can do is it actually it can help stabilize your life. We live in a world that puts a lot of emphasis on feelings. How do you feel today? What do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And feelings are real. But feelings aren't the highest realm of truth. Because how many of you know you've had feelings that it can be wrong? And if we always acted how we felt, a lot of us wouldn't have jobs. You happen to work for a supervisor who's tough to work for. They come in and say something to you. And you feel like stand up going, you're an idiot. I've been working for you for two years. You've been an idiot when you started. You're still an idiot. And I don't want to work for you anymore. I'm going to tell you something. Not only I'm not, not working for you, but you can take this job and give it to someone else. <laughs> don't raise your hand, but people have felt that way. True. But you decided, no, I'm going to back off of that because I need this job. I'm going to keep it. And so we learned, we learned to go against our feelings. But that's important to go against our feelings because feelings can lie. And so we want to be able to establish. And one of the biggest lies is that, and I just tell you the truth, most everybody you know carries a certain level of insecurity about them. Everybody. You don't, we don't have to have testimony time, but everyone carries a certain, even the most confident among us carry a certain level of insecurity. And so that often bleeds over into our spiritual life. And people begin to think, well, I, you know what? I, you know, I'm just not that good of a Christian. I'm a second-class Christian. And the problem is those thoughts are limiting. And so one of the beautiful things about understanding and studying righteousness is you begin to realize that when I made Jesus Christ my Lord, I became a new creation in Christ. And old things passed away and all things became new. And when God made me new, he did it right. And there are no second-class citizens. And there, and there is no caste system. And there are no levels because we're all one in Christ. This was Paul's big conflict with a lot of the writers, with a lot of the Judaizers when he, he would go into the Gentile areas and he would preach Jesus to people who had no Jewish knowledge at all. And oftentimes these people would follow Paul. They were Jewish. They would follow Paul. And they would tell these Gentiles, no, 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 no. I mean, it's great that you've accepted Jesus. But not only do you accept Jesus, but you have to get, live under Jewish law. And if you don't live under Jewish law, then you're really not what you should be. And they would sell that. And the problem is, now you had all these Gentiles, they don't know anything about Jewish law, and they're not eating stuff, or they're not touching that, and they're observing all these days. And it made Paul mad. He would go back in and go, and, oh, and they would, they would convince everyone they needed to be, well, the men, that you need to be circumcised, which was a tough sell. <laughs> would be for me, it's like, I'm out. And, uh, but they were selling this. And so Paul was writing to him. He said, look, in Christ, in Christ, when you make Jesus your Lord, you're in him. And there is no male or female or bond or free or servant or Jew or Gentile. You're one in him. And when you became in him, 
You were made the righteousness of God in Christ. They say, well, what's the big deal with that? It'll change things in you. When you realize I'm right with God, whether I feel like it or not, because not what I've done, because of what Jesus has done. He gets all the glory and all the credit, but we get the benefits. So it'll help establish that. Here's the second thing it'll help establish. Why study righteousness? It broadens the reach of our life. Sometimes we can, we can come to church, as I mentioned, and get only concerned with what's in my world and solving my problems. Nothing wrong with that. But in God's kingdom, there's a higher way to live. And it's not just me living in my world. It's living beyond that. That I'm not just strong enough to take care of my stuff. A lot of people say, if I can just get my stuff taken care of, if I can just get my marriage fixed, if I can just get my family fixed, if I can just get my career fixed, if I can just get me fixed, and that circle is small. But if you can begin to get beyond that, when you begin to find out the, how you're right standing with God, you, your circle can start to widen and you can bring other people in. So what do you mean by that? Well, in Isaiah, put that scripture up, you guys, in Isaiah. Look at this scripture. In righteousness you shall be established, and you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. That's a great, that's a great verse. You want to memorize one? That's a good one to work. Memorize. Lord, thank you. I'm established in righteousness, and I am far from oppression because I'm not afraid. Because I know who I'm in right standing with. I'm right with God. And when I'm right with God, that means that fear, the, the more I begin to recognize, I'm right with the almighty creator, the living God, creator of heaven and earth. And because of that, I, I've got God on my side. But we, we're right. We're good. When I was in college, we had a guy that joined our fraternity who was a, uh, he was a rough guy. Man, he was, he was rough. He was like a black belt in karate, and he liked to fight people. He liked to hit people, man. He enjoyed it. I never enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. He was big, too. And uh, when we would go in bars, this is before Christ, so don't just like, don't change the channel. I talk, I talk about my past life and people think I was talking about last week. Um, I'm talking about a long, long time ago in the 70s. Not the 1870s, but the, about the 1970s. But we would, go in bar, we would go in bars and if Perry was with us, it, it gave us a little extra swagger. Because if something went down, that brother could handle it. So we kind of walk in like, yeah, here we are. He was not there. We just kind of like, hi. <laughs> but listen, when you understand that you're right with God, you walk a little different. You're like, I got God on my side. So here I come. <laughs> How many of you heard about my dogs, Blue and Pal? How many of you heard that story? How many of you hadn't heard that story? Fresh people, here we go. All right. <laughs> Two dogs growing up. Um, uh, had more than that, but at one time I had a little poodle uh, named Pal, ugly little thing, um, about 15 pounds, scraggly teeth. Just, he was a scruffy looking little dog, but he was cocky. And uh, he would go in other dogs' yard. In our neighborhood, you could, the dogs could wander. He'd go in other dogs' yard, and he would pee on their bushes. And uh, those dogs would come out, and man, they'd come, they, they, man, they'd so mad, they would come to attack him. 
but his buddy was Blue the Great Dane. Blue weighed 150 pounds. He stood, his head, if I did like this, his head was right here. He was a big dog. And man, they'd come out to attack Pal, and Blue would jump on him. It was over. So Pal got to be where he was just like, he owned the neighborhood, man. He would, I'd see him walking around. He's just walking like this. He's like, I'm walking to your yard, and I'm going to pee on your bush. And, uh, but Blue's are there backing him up, so all the, do- all the other dogs kind of like, mm, we'll back off. Blue did die early. It was not good for Pal. I think those dogs lined up in our driveway like, come on out. <laughs> but here's the thing. When Pal knew that Blue was with him, there was a confidence there. When you know that you're right with God, that you and God are not at odds, there's a confidence there that you're that you're not in fear. It begins to begin to erase the fear in our life. And when the fear erases, the circle of our life can expand and we can begin to bring other people in. Does that make sense? The less fear in us, because like we can handle our stuff, but not just our stuff, I can help you with yours. A lot of times people are like, if, if I help you, or if I pray for you, if I do anything for you, I won't have enough for me. No, when, you, when, you, when we become less afraid, we're like, no, I can help you, I can bless you. So righteousness is important. And it's one of those subjects, if you look it up in the scriptures, it's all over the New Testament because it's a key thing. Some of the benefits of righteousness are this. Protection. Ephesians 6, chapter, verses 11 and 14. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So... Again, Paul is writing, he's likening, he's likening the armor of God and the breastplate of righteousness. In fact, that's the second thing he mentions, truth and then righteousness. And so here's some thoughts on that. You can't put on or walk in the reality of what you don't know about. But when you know about it, then it can become. Now, we're not talking about putting on a physical breastplate. But it, it's, a, it's an understanding that God's armor, it protects us. What does it protect us against? The wiles or the lies or the deception of the enemy, the schemes, actually, the, the words are the schemes of the devil. And so the idea that it would protect us of that, Satan's schemes, one of his schemes is to keep us off balance. And one of the best ways he keeps people off balance is with condemnation. Condemnation means to declare or judge unfit or unworthy, to pronounce a sentence upon the guilty. Unfit or unworthy. I won't ask for a show of hands, but when you talk to so many believers, they'll talk to you and you can hear that they've been listening to the enemy tell them how unfit they are or how unworthy they are. And if he can convince you that you're unworthy, if he can convince you that you're unfit, that you're just, you're just a Christian, he'll keep you off balance. Because your, your life of faith gets diminished because you feel like you're not, even, you're not even fit, not even worthy. Now, you may have grown up in an era where you're so insecure about who you are, but the good news is, thank God, you can begin to renew your mind. That's what the Bible talks about, renewing our mind, renewing our mind to what God says we are. And when we begin to do that, we begin to realize, I may have been unworthy, I may have been unfit, but I made Jesus Christ my Lord. So now I have his worthiness. It's not mine, it's his. 
See, sometimes people think, well, Alan, you have that because you're a, you're a preacher. Your wife, she's a preacher. She has a, a different level. No. No. I'm going to say it again. No. And when we go home, we have to live this just like you do. We don't have some built-in advantage. In fact, it's a disadvantage to a point because we get stricter judgment. If you teach, you got stricter judgment. Why? Because your own words will come back and hit you in the face. Or your spouse will come back and go, well, <laughs> what did you preach about the other night? No, I, I forgot. Well, here's the tape. <laughs> Here it is online. Here's what you said. So, so, but here's the deal. I don't have an advantage of living this. Every time I say that, it gets so deathly quiet. Like, well, we were sure you had an advantage. I don't. Because all of us have our righteousness that's not established by our job function. It's established by who we are in Christ. It, that, that's it. So you say, well, I'm just a, I'm just a, a, a teacher. I'm just a salesman. No, 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 no. You're in Christ. That's where your worthiness comes from. Not your job function. Because we need, trust me, we need more than preachers. I mean, I could walk in the room and kill a party in a heartbeat. I walk in the room, people find out I'm a pastor. Everybody gets real religious. Everybody tightens up. <laughs> You walk in, you're, unsu- you're like, you're one of them, but you can reach them. And so the idea is, is this. We want, to be, we want to establish the idea that we're not condemned because we don't have a preaching job or we don't sing or we're not public. Our, our, our right standing with God is based on what Jesus has done for us and the fact that we've received that. And that's so liberating that you're not thinking, well, I have to do this or I have to do that. No, you're just thinking, Lord, I want to thank you that you've given me right standing with you. And that is protecting for me. And it protects, the breastplate would protect the heart. It protects the vital organs. The stronger we become established in righteousness, let me just tell you this, the stronger you get in right standing with God, the less what people say hurts you. Because you've got a breastplate on. Someone says, well, I just know about them, they're, they're a sorry individual. Well, if you've got your breastplate on, it kind of goes ding. And you go, no, I might have been sorry. I'm not sorry anymore. That might have been who I used to be, but not anymore. People lie about you. doesn't bother you as much because, why? Well, you've got your breastplate on. Keith Moore said something the other day I really thought was great. He said, have you ever noticed in those, in those breastplates, those breastplates looked really good? Chest was well defined. There were no pot bellied breastplates. <laughs> they all had abs to it. Have you ever noticed that? There's no like breastplate looks like, looks like. And I thought, man, that, that is so true. Those breastplates look good. You had a breastplate on, you look good. Don't take it off so we can see your pot belly. Put it back on so we can see who you, it's who you are in Christ. That's the armor, armor of God. So that one, protection. Second thing is confidence with God. Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Quietness and assurance. There are heart conditions for 
from being, these are heart conditions from being right in God's sight. No longer fretting or anxious or striving to be accepted. You know, it really is like little children. You know, little ones especially, when they know they're loved, they are totally comfortable. Little ones, boy, they're not, you know, when they're two, I got, now I have six grandkids. And uh, when they're they're all little men, they feel so comfortable. They'll jump in mom, dad's lap. They feel very comfortable. They feel very accepted. And there's a, a quietness and assurance there. They know they're loved. They have good parents. They know they're loved. We have a good father. We know we're loved. It, it brings us a confidence with God, peace with God, and a quietness and assurance. That word peace is not just a ceasefire. Look at this verse in Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that word justified, interesting. We'll leave it up there for a second. That word justified. Justified in righteousness basically is about the same thing. Best definition I ever heard of justified, I heard a minister say, Justice, just as if I'd never done it. Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. We say, well, Alan, I know I have sinned. Justified by faith through Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So this is a, this is a spiritual position through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have peace. I love that word peace. It's not just, oh, me and God aren't at odds. There's, there's a unity there. And not just a unity, there's a sense of blessedness and divine favor. When you, uh, I, I, was, I was studying that. I actually did this in one of the devotionals uh, that I do. Uh, and, and on our ARC Info, I do a devotional every day. And I, I do it audio and, and I write it out. So if you're saying I don't have time to read the Bible, you, you, usually two minutes. But jump into that. It's just a little bit of teaching. But it talks about that. And I, when I read that, I thought, that's so good. A sense of blessedness and divine favor. One individual, I think, was really understanding of God's uh, favor and his blessedness was David. David had confidence with God. And David had a confidence with God. Really, we have a better righteousness than David did. But David had a lot of confidence with God. David was a young man, worshipped God. He was a shepherd. God helped him. Bear attacked him. Lion attacked him. David killed him. Killed Goliath. David's ability, you see David's confidence with God and his ability to bounce back. Sunday I talked about Ziklag, where David shows up in in the city of Ziklag. His home was burned. His kids and his wives were, were kidnapped. His stuff was stolen, and the men were going to kill him. And David had the confidence with God to be able to get along and get back to a place of strength where he could go on the offensive. That's confident. But David also had an amazing confidence with God. And let me wrap this, see if I can wrap this up quick. He had a confidence with God that was even when he made a major mistake, and that was Bathsheba. Now, I want to just tell you something. Bathsheba was a bad mistake for David. Just bad. No, no way about it. You know that if you don't know the story, let me just give it to you, cliff note version. David should have been fighting, but he's, he stayed home. Send everybody else out to fight. He's up on his rooftop. He looks over, and Bathsheba evidently had a place right near David's, and she's bathing on the rooftop. And I, I know everyone's like, well, she shouldn't have been bathing on the rooftop. Okay, got it. But David 
called and brought her, brought her over to the palace, slept with her. She's married to another man, Uriah. He slept with her. She gets pregnant. She sends to David, I'm pregnant. David brings her husband, Uriah, home from the army gets, and, and tries to get him to go home. Uriah is an incredibly honorable man. He said, if everybody else, all my brothers in war are not, they're not going to their homes, he said, I'm not going to go to mine. So he slept, he slept right there in, in, like basically with the servants. So David brings him back the next night and gets him drunk. Ain't nothing godly about this. Gets him drunk to try to get him to go home. He goes back and sleeps in the kitchen again. So David sends a letter, writes a letter. And he says, put Uriah at the very heat of the battle. And he gives it to Uriah, seals it. And Uriah takes it and gives it to his captain. Really? And Uriah is killed by the enemy. The letter basically said, put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle and withdraw from him. This is tough. David does this. How many of you admit, and nothing good about this? Nothing redeemable about this. Here's what happened to David. Nathan came to him and spoke to him, 2 Samuel 12, 13 and 14. David said to Nathaniel, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathaniel said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed, you've given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who was born to you shall surely die. Now stop, because that sounds like Alan. Could that really happen? Yeah, there is judgment. And, but we have to understand. People are like, well, that scares me. Well, hopefully, you have slept with someone and then killed their spouse. Because that's serious. And here's another thing. Remember I said leaders get stricter judgment? David was the leader of Israel. He was the leader. So he got stricter judgment. He, he, he lost that job. But, but when the child got sick, here's the amazing thing to David. David, for seven days and seven nights, laid on the floor and prayed. And he wouldn't get up. He wouldn't eat. He prayed. And look what he said next. While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? Now, I just want to stop that. I just want you to think about that just for a second. David believed so much in the goodness of God that when God said, I put your sin away, David, and, but then God said the child's going to die. David is actually praying for seven days, Lord, I'm praying this child doesn't die. He's actually talking to the Lord, saying, maybe, Lord, you'll be gracious to me. How many of you know, if, if, if God said that to us, a lot of like, okay, we're done. David's like, no, I believe God's good. I believe he's gracious. He had a confidence with God that's like, God, I know you're good. God, I know you'll do things for me. God, will you help me? And when the child died, they were afraid to tell David because he was, man, he was in agony. When the child died, he got up, washed his face, and he said, hey, he said, listen, maybe the, maybe the Lord will be gracious. He said, I can't, he said, he, won't, he can't come to me, talking about the child. He said, I'll go to him one day. Isn't that good? Those of you who have lost children, they can't come to you, but you'll go to them one day. And you'll see them again. But then, David, but then what David does next is amazing. 
The Bible goes, says, he went in and he comforted Bathsheba and they had another child. And the Lord loved him. And it was Solomon. What? Would you think if there's anyone who's never going to have another child, it's going to be Bathsheba. The woman who cheated on her husband, helped get him killed, had a baby, and the Lord was so merciful, so merciful, that with David and Bathsheba, they had the next king of Israel. Hey, listen, God's better than we are. Because if that had been some of you, some of you ladies were like, oh no, Bathsheba, you're never going to have another child again if I was God. Or David, you're never going to have another child again. Or David, you might have died. We might have killed you. But David had a confidence that God's good. Listen, guys. You, you, all of us have messed up. Everybody's made a mistake. But it's time that we put that behind us. And we recognize, Lord, if I've asked you to forgive me, then you have. And I have right standing with you. How, how complete was God's forgiveness that David was forgiven and Bathsheba was forgiven and the child they had was Solomon, the next king of Israel. That's huge. Is God that good? And the more we have confidence in him, the more we have confidence in what's been done in us because of Jesus, it gives us the confidence to pray. Now we're not afraid to pray because we've got a God that's good. Now we're not afraid if we've messed up. We're not going to keep bringing that past sin up and that bringing that past sin up. If the Lord's forgiven us, he's forgiven us. we got a clean slate. Some of us need to have some Solomons as opposed to hanging on to the mistake. Righteousness gives us confidence with God. Would you bow your head? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your mercy, which is everlasting and huge. Thank you for your goodness to everyone in this room, to those watching online. Father, you're so much gooder than we've ever given you credit for. Thank you for that. And Father, I ask that you would begin to put this message of right standing, establish us in it, that we can begin to erase fear in our lives and develop a confidence, a quietness, and an assurance with you. Since your and eyes are closed, if you came this evening and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, I know that, he knows that, but I really would like to. Or maybe you're saying, I used to have a relationship with God and I've gotten away from him, but I want to be connected to someone who can love at that depth and who can love me that way. Since your and eyes are closed, if that's you that I'm talking to, would you just slip your hand up just across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you, would you pray for me? Thanks. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. See that? Yeah, got it. Anybody else? Wonderful. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, you can still get in on this prayer. We're going to pray it with you. Whole church family, say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me.
Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, we thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those that have come in and those who have come home. Lord, we rejoice because all of us were there. We rejoice at what you've done. We rejoice at what you're doing. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.